let my song forever be my only boast is you God, this is something we don't deserve to be a part of, but God, by your grace, you brought us here. And, and God, I pray that you would come and you'd speak to us right now, Jesus, that you would give me the words to say. Father, we just want to hear from you today in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we today are in part three of our series, Jesus is Not. And what we've been doing here every single week, just in case you, you just tuned in, this is your first week here with us, what we've uh, done here. For the past couple of weeks, is every week we've talked about a different misconception, different idea that the culture has about Jesus. Uh, maybe even you have about who Jesus is. Wrong ideas about who Jesus is. So the very first week of Jesus is not, we talked about how Jesus is not a white, middle-class American. And what, the, the idea there is, is that we can't take Jesus and fit him into our mold. So we can't take Jesus, put him in the mold of our religion, try to uh, be good enough, try to keep a bunch of rules, and hopefully that's going to get us to heaven. We can't take Jesus and put him in the mold of our lifestyle so that we're living certain ways, we're doing certain things, and we know he tells us not to do that. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully we can tack him onto our life. He won't let us do that. Instead, he says that if we're going to follow him, we've got to take up our cross, we've got to deny ourselves, and then we'll follow him. All right? Last week, we talked about how Jesus is not your homeboy, and the idea there was that Jesus is God. We saw Jesus say last week, I am. And what we, said he, what we said that he meant was that Jesus is saying that he is the God who created the heavens and the earth. And so because that's true, if you are here and you're a Christian, then what that means is that your situation is secure today. That wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life, your situation is secure because Jesus is God. And also, because Jesus is God, you've got to respond. You've got to respond to him. You'll either worship him or you will reject him. And so that brings us to today. And today in part three, we are talking about how Jesus is not your co-pilot. Jesus is not your co-pilot. How many of you have ever seen that license plate that says, God is my co-pilot, Jesus is my co-pilot? How many of you have ever seen that? You've seen those? See those? Some of you are here, you've got those on your car, and you need to know we have a team of people in the parking lot taking those off for you right now. We're just here to serve because we care for you. All right? So don't run to your car. Make sure we're not, we're not doing that. But if you have that, we will make fun of you. I'm just kidding. We won't do that either. We won't do that either. But, but, but you've seen that before, right? You've seen that before, right? That license plate. Maybe you've seen it on a shirt, a bumper sticker, something like that. Jesus is my co-pilot, right? God is my co-pilot. You ever thought about what that means, though? Have you, have you ever thought about what, what that says when, when you say that God is your co-pilot or Jesus is your co-pilot? Have you ever thought about that? See, I, see when, when you say Jesus is your co-pilot, the image that comes to your mind is, is an airplane, right? Should be the image that comes to your mind. Is, is an airplane because whether you know it or not, you fly somewhere, if you've ever flown before, in the cockpit of every airplane, there's at least two people. There's the pilot and then there's the what? Say it with me. There's the co-pilot. I'm glad you're here with me. And listen, what you need to know about the pilot and the co-pilot is that they're not equal. There is a hierarchy in the cockpit. Somebody's in charge, and who do you think it is? It's the pilot. The, the pilot 
calls the shots, not the co-pilot. So at the end of the day, the direction of the flight, the way the flight is going, the, the way the flight is flying, I don't even know if you say it that way, but it's too late. It's up to the pilot. The, the pilot makes that decision. And sometimes the co-pilot flies. But at any moment, the pilot can take back the wheel. I don't even know if there's a wheel. He can take it back because he's the pilot. And the co-pilot is not in charge. The pilot's in charge. Right? The pilot's in charge. And think, think about this. I don't, I don't even know if you've, ever, if you've ever thought of this before. Have you, have you ever met somebody and, and they tell you what, what they do for a living and it just sounds cool, right? You ever, they tell you what, to, what they do, and you're just like, man, that's awesome. That makes my job sound so lame. A pilot is one of those jobs, okay? You meet somebody, what do you do? I'm a pilot. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. I don't know about you. I'm thinking Top Gun, Maverick, and Iceman. You know, I, all this stuff comes to mind. But what do you do? I'm a co-pilot. Really? Just the co-pilot. Can't take, can't. Can't take one more class and get that certificate, man. You just can't go all the way, right? The sidekick is not a cool job. I mean, I mean Halloween was just a couple weeks. Well just, well, just a couple weeks. I just checked in. It was just this past week. Batman. Batman, right? Batman is a really popular costume. Robin, not so much. There's a reason. There's, there's a reason, all right? The sidekick doesn't get all the glory. And the co-pilot is the sidekick. Because the pilot's in charge. So, so think through this with me. Think through this with me. If Jesus is your co-pilot, then who's the pilot? You are. If Jesus is your co-pilot, well, then you're the pilot. See, we would never talk that way, and you could tell we would never say that because of how serious the, the room just now you got. You're like, oh my gosh, I've been saying that my whole life. You blow up your car this afternoon because you got that license plate on. But that's what that means. See, we would never say that, but we can live that way. We, we would never say, hey, you know what? Jesus, at best, is my sidekick. You'd, you maybe would never say that, but we can live that way. So let me give you an example. Jesus tells you to do something. You look back at him. No. Or he tells you to do something. You look back at him. Maybe later. He tells you to do something. You've been a Christian for a little bit, so you figured out how to spiritualize it. Jesus tells you to do something. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray about that, Jesus. Right? <laughs> you ever do that? I'm, that's just me on the table maybe this morning. Right? Listen, Jesus is not your co-pilot. He, he's not your advisor. He's not your assistant. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so today, we just want to unpack that idea. And so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We're going to read these verses, and these are really, really popular verses. If you've been to church at all, you, you've, you've heard these verses. I think I quote these here almost every single week. Um, if you've got a Bible, uh, open up to Romans chapter 10. If not, though, the words are going to be up here on the screen. And listen, we say this all the time. If you're here, you don't own a Bible. Uh, in the back to your left, there are free Bibles just sitting there. You take one, that's our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible, okay? But if you don't have a Bible with you, the words are going to be up here on the screen. Again, these are really, really popular verses. Watch this. Romans 10, 9 and 10, really short. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, those are really short, but those are extremely important verses. And the reason they're so important is because you can see that at least twice in those verses, he says, if you do this, then you'll be saved. So if you want to know what it takes to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be saved, that's at the core of these verses. If you're here and you would say, hey, I'm a Christian, then these, these verses, what these verses are talking about, they've happened to you. You're saying, I have experienced what these verses are describing. Okay? And right at the middle of these verses there, in verse 9, you can see there's our phrase, Jesus is Lord. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Because I don't know your background. You may uh, have no church background. You may come from another church. You've grown up in church. That sounds like a really churchy phrase, Jesus is Lord. But what does it mean? See, to be Lord of something, Lord means boss. Lord, Lord means boss. It means owner. It means ruler of something. So, so maybe the image that comes to your mind, you can think about a king. A king is a lord over a certain area, over a certain country, over a certain piece of land. And in the king's kingdom, over what he's lord over, there's people, there are subjects in his kingdom. He rules over that land, so everybody and everything in that land is ultimately, at the end of the day, accountable to the king or accountable to the Lord of that particular kingdom. But when you think about Jesus, Jesus is not just Lord over a certain piece of land or a certain kingdom. Jesus is Lord of the universe. Jesus is Lord over all of the universe, over everything that you see and over you and me. He's Lord. So what that means is this. Here, here's what that means. It means that because Jesus is Lord of the universe, Jesus does things like this, and then this happens. Jesus, in Genesis chapter 1, says, let there be sun. And all of a sudden, it happens. There it is. There's the sun. Then he says, let there be animals. And all of a sudden, there they are. It's just like a huge zoo. All of a sudden, just opened up. He, and everything that he says happens. Creation came into existence. Why? Because he's Lord. He said it, and it happened. You read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There were times when Jesus would walk up to people who were possessed by demons. And Jesus would walk up to these people, and the demon, there were certain occasions when the demons would beg Jesus to leave, him, leave them alone. But Jesus would walk up to these people who were possessed by demons, and, 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 and unlike what you see in Hollywood, heads didn't start to spin. There was no projectile vomiting or anything like that. Jesus walked up to people possessed by demons, and he would say, Leave. And they left. Because even demons know that when Jesus speaks, you do what he says. Jesus would walk up to people who were paralyzed from birth. And they had, they, they've been paralyzed from birth. And he would look at them and say, get up and walk. And they would. Because disease knows that Jesus is Lord. And when he speaks, you do what he says. There would be people that were dead. Jesus would walk up to them and say, hey, wake up. And you know what they would do? Some of you are like, I don't know, tell me. They would wake up. They would get up. Why? Because death knows. Jesus is Lord. And when he speaks, you do what he says. 
See, Jesus is Lord, and you can see that here in these verses, and they're probably still up on the screen. He is talking to you. He says, if you confess with your mouth. So he's speaking to you today that if you do this, and when you say that Jesus is Lord, if you say that, then what you're saying is that Jesus is Lord over me. He owns me. He's my boss. He's the ruler of my life. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. It means that you've seen Jesus and you've just cashed in all your chips and saying, he's my boss. He owns me. He owns me. You're here. You're a Christian. Every Christian here in the room, every Christian in the world has a sign around their neck that says, under new management. The Bible will put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. He's your Lord, owner, boss, ruler. And so the way this plays out in your life, let's get really practical. The way this plays out in your life, if you say that Jesus is Lord, if you hear you say, I'm a Christian, so that means Jesus is Lord of my life. The way this plays out in your life is this. When he speaks, you do what he says. Because Jesus is Lord, if he's your Lord, if you confess and you'd say, Jesus is my Lord, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I've cashed my chips in, I'm going to follow him, he owns my life. Then what that means is that when he speaks, you do what he says. And see, what Jesus does here is Jesus doesn't look at our lives and says, hey, you know what, I'd really like to have that, but you can keep all this other stuff. No, Jesus looks at your life and he looks at my life and says, every single bit of it is mine. Money is mine. Relationships are mine. Your future is mine. Where you want to be 5, 10, 20 years from now, it's all mine. Because he's Lord. See, Jesus is not your co-pilot where Jesus is in the front seat, you're in the front seat, and sometimes you let him have the wheel, but if you don't like the direction that he's going, you can take the wheel back from him. That's not the way it works. Jesus is Lord, and so what that means is you're duct taped in the trunk. And he's driving this thing because he's in control because he's Lord. So when he speaks... We do what he says. Let's, let, let's be very, very practical. Let me, let me just give you some examples of Jesus speaks and we do what he says. So some of this, this has happened to you. You read the Bible, right? Because we believe Jesus wrote this book. We believe Jesus wrote this. Jesus speaks every place you read in the Bible. So you read the Bible sometimes, and there's a verse, man, that just sticks out to you. It's so appropriate for your life. It's just as if that verse is speaking to you. It's just as if God is speaking to you. And the reason it's just as if God is speaking to you is because God is speaking to you when you do that. But he's speaking to you from the Bible, and he's telling you, you need to do that. And that's happened for some of you. You've read things in the Bible. Man, I need to do that. He's talking to me there. I've got to do that. Some of you, you, you've heard sermons before, and you've said, man, it's like that guy knows me. It's like he's talking right to me. I hear, I hear that a lot from some of you here. Man, Mark, it's like you know me. It's like you know what's going on in my life. And the reason it's like I know you, it's because I'm stalking you. And what you had for dinner last night looked awesome, by the way. Some of you will get that later, okay? I'm not stalking you. I'm not stalking you. But why is it that it's like I know you sometimes? Why do you come here and it's almost as if I know everything going on in your life? I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And God loves you so much, he addresses you here. Or maybe another church, he addresses you there if you, if you are here today and you're from another church. But at the end of the day, when he speaks, we do what he says. So let's give two examples of this. Two examples of when Jesus speaks, 
we do what he says. Let me give you one example. Here's the first one. Baptism. Let's talk baptism. Next Sunday's Baptism Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We've got all kinds of people that are going to come up here. We've got over 10 people that are going to come up here in our baptistry, get baptized. It's going to be an amazing day. We had people this morning sign up for Baptism Sunday. And listen, here's what's really cool. We have people that can't get baptized next Sunday. They're going to get baptized the following Sunday. So it's going to be an amazing time. But listen, 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 listen. Let's talk about baptism. Let's unpack what that means. I think it's going to be up here on the, on the screen here. Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, 19, these are Jesus' last words before he goes back to heaven. And look at what Jesus says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Say the next word. All right, let's say the last word like we love, the, like we love it and like we're checked in, all right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Hey, awesome! Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what Jesus says there. What Jesus says here. A disciple, what's a disciple? It just means a, a disciple is somebody that's a Christian. You're here, you're a Christian, then you're a disciple. Here's what he says. Very first thing you ought to do if you're a disciple, if you're a Christian, first thing you ought to do, get baptized. The first thing you ought to do, one of the very first things you ought to do if you're here and you're a Christian, is you should be baptized. Now, let's be real clear on where we stand, where the Bible stands about baptism, all right? Let's be extremely clear. Baptism doesn't save you, okay? So if you're here and you think, hey, you know what? Next Sunday I'm going to get saved because I'm getting baptized. We should talk. We need to meet, okay? Because baptism does not save you. You get baptized because you're already saved. It's the first thing you should do as a Christian. And what baptism, what baptism is a picture of, baptism is a picture of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And it also says that you've died to who you used to be. That's what it means when you go down in the water. When you go down in the water, it's a picture of you've died to who you were before you gave your life to Christ. And when you come back up, and you should know, next week we'll bring you back up, okay? Some of you are worried. Are you going to just put me down and just keep me there? No, we're going to bring you back up. We care, all right? But it just depends on who signs up. Some of you may keep it down a little bit longer. Um, but we'll bring you back up eventually. But when you come back up, what that says is, there's been a resurrection in my life. I'm not who I used to be. Jesus has changed my life. See, baptism is really a line in the sand that says, by God's grace, I'm never going back to who I used to be. I'm going to live for Jesus. And so here's Jesus. There's Jesus clearly saying, you should do that. And listen to me. If you're here, you're a Christian, and you've never been baptized, I love you enough to say this. Do it. Like, you don't even need to pray about it. I'm going to say this more. We'll say that more in a minute. When Jesus says something, you don't need to pray about it. Just do it. Everybody say that. Just do it. Put emphasis on do. Just do it. Just do it, man. Don't pray about it. Say, wow, well, shouldn't we pray about it? Not if he says to do it. If Jesus says, hey, you should be baptized, then do it. Some of you are here, this is going to happen next week. You're going to watch all these people get baptized, and the reason you didn't is because you're afraid of what you'll look like. Listen, we ain't doing it in the horse trough. Who cares? Praise God, man. I mean, dude, that's a step up. It's not in the horse trough, right? There is <laughs> Revival just broke out. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. It's not in the... It's not, but that's going to happen. I should, do, I should be up there. I should be up there. Listen, some of you, man, I'm knocking on your door, man. You know I'm talking to you. Listen, if you don't do it, the devil will talk you out of it. You'll talk yourself out of it, or other people will talk yourself out of it. That's why you should just do it. Don't listen to the devil. The devil's a loser. 
He knows it. He's already lost. Read the end of the Bible. We win. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to other people who try to talk you out of obedience. Don't listen to yourself when you try to talk yourself out of obedience. If you know you need to do it, just do it. You don't even need to go sign up. You don't even need to do that. In fact, after the service is over, we're going to talk to everybody that's going to get baptized. Just stick around. Don't even move. Just grab. When, when everything in you says move, grab the arm handles. Rip them off if you've got to. I'm kidding. We rent this joint. Don't do, don't do that. Don't you dare do that. All right? We get in trouble if that happens. But you should do it. Let me give you another example. Let me give you another example. Talk about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about anger. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let's see what Jesus, let's see what the Bible says about that. Look at, look at this up on the screen here. Here's, here comes another one, I think. Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Man, there's so much stuff here in the room. Some of you have been hurt by people in the past in ways that are absolutely unimaginable. And so we don't take this lightly. We don't just simply throw this out there. But here's what the Bible says. Forgive. Think you're the exception? Hey, you know what? I can hold on to this. I can be bitter about this. I can be angry about this. No, you need to deal with this. You need to forgive. Just do it. So we could go on and on and on with examples here. But when Jesus speaks, do what he says. Do what he says. It may not be baptism. It may not be forgiving somebody. It could be something completely different. Do it. Listen, we rob ourselves of joy and intimacy with God and purpose and hope and freedom in our relationship with Jesus when we know He's telling us to do something and we don't do it. So when He tells you to do something, just do it. You're not going to regret it. When Jesus tells you to do something, He's not leading you into a trap. He's not leading you into something that's going to kill you. Every time Jesus tells you to do something, it's an invitation to life. If you do this, if you follow me here, there's more freedom there, there's more purpose, there's more hope, there's more fulfillment. He's not going to lead you into some mess. He's inviting you to life. And listen, I don't want, you to, I don't want to stand up on this stage here and I don't want you to think, man, that I've got this thing all nailed and that it's easy for me to always do what Jesus tells me to do because, listen, it is not easy for me to do what Jesus tells me to do, man. There's a lot of, time, there's a lot of times when Jesus tells me to do something, it is absolutely unmistakable that He wants me to do it. And there's a lot of times where there's an internal struggle, days of struggle, where it's just a fight. Listen, I'm not going to dwell on it, and I'd love to sit down with you, but listen, when we knew that God was telling us to leave a very comfortable situation, move back home to Hazard and start this church, it took a long time for me to get on board. In fact, I was the last one on board. My wife, she was, she was gung-ho, but it, it took a long time for me to finally say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I don't, want you to, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to leave today and think, hey, you know what? Mark's got this one all figured out. No, listen to me. I want you to know I'm on this journey with you. I'm on this journey with you. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see something here from this verse. Notice there's a couple of times he says the word heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, I don't want you to think that when we say, hey, when Jesus speaks, just do it. I don't want you to leave today thinking, oh, well, then all Christianity is is willpower. All Christianity is, is suck it up and do it. That's not Christianity at all. Christianity flows from a heart that meets Jesus, has been transformed by Jesus, loves Jesus, and deep down wants to follow Him. 
That's where it flows from. You, you don't have it all together. There's still junk in your life. You still struggle. But at the end of the day, if we were to just cut you open out on the table and we could see what's in your deepest heart of hearts, what would be there is, I want to follow Him. I want to do what He says. It flows from the heart. So when He says, confess with your mouth, He doesn't mean, hey, you know what? If you just say these magic words, you get into heaven. That's not what it means. What it means is that you say what's in your heart. And so that confession, man, Jesus is my Lord. He owns me, and I love Him, and I want to live for Him. That flows from a heart that has seen Him and been transformed by Him. See, some of you needed to hear that because when you think about Christianity, when you think about Jesus, you've already written this off. You came in today, you had all these walls up because your previous experience from church with Jesus, with Christianity, came from judgmental Christians or something happened in your past that caused you to view Christianity as a crutch for the weak, just a bunch of rules, suck it up and do it, or Jesus is some kind of cosmic cop in the sky who prevents you from doing anything fun. So, so you've heard this. Oh, if I do what he says, if I say that Jesus is my Lord, then that means I don't get to do what I want. No, listen, listen, listen. If you leave today and you know you're not a Christian and you say, you know what, Jesus, yeah, whatever, man. That's not, that's not for me. This whole Jesus is Lord thing is not for me. Listen, if Jesus is not your Lord, something else will be. If Jesus is not your Lord, if Jesus is not your Lord, easy for me to say, something else will be. So Jesus might not be your Lord, but maybe it's money. Jesus might not be your Lord, maybe it's that career. Jesus might not be your Lord, maybe it's that relationship. See, here's what I know about you. And again, I don't know a lot of you, but here's what I know about every single person. Whether you're here, you're a Christian, you're an atheist, whatever you believe, inside the heart of every single person, God has planted the desire to worship Him. And we, because of sin, what we've done is we've taken that desire to worship God and we've put it on other things. So instead of worshiping God, we worship other stuff. That's why in every single one of you, and deep down, if you let the walls break down, you're here, you hate Jesus, you're not a Christian at all, if you would just have a moment of honesty, you know that what I'm saying is true and you would have to agree with me. Inside of you, inside of all of us, there's this endless pursuit of finding something to fulfill our lives, right? So you get that house because you think that when you get that house, it's going to make you really happy and complete your life. You get in that relationship because you had a Jerry Maguire moment. Oh, you complete me. Right? You get that amount of money. You get that 57-inch 3D plasma TV with surround sound because you think that's going to make me really happy. That's going to fulfill my life. Then you go to Walmart and there's a 100-foot TV. Right? That just sucks you into the football game and you can get tackled in your living room. That's what I need. That's going to complete my life. But listen, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Because listen, this was, this was me. Oh, you know what? If I do that, that's going to complete me. If I do that, that's going to complete me. So you do it. You do it. You do it. You do it. And it does for a little bit. It satisfies. Then all of a sudden it wanes. And you've got to get another fix. This is exactly why Jesus in the book of John says, If anybody is thirsty... I don't even know you, but you're thirsty. I don't have to know you, but I know you're thirsty. And if you continue to say no to him, say, oh man, whatever, this Jesus is Lord stuff. No, it's not for me, it's not for me, it's not for me. Philippians chapter 2 says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. 
And that does not mean that you get a second chance to get saved after you die. That's not what that means. What it means is that if you continue to reject Him, one day you're going to stand in front of Him. And you're going to be so overwhelmed by who He is that you're just going to fall on your face and you're going to say, You're right! Jesus, you were right the whole time. I should have listened to that guy that one day I went to that church in the forum. Because this is exactly what he was talking about. But I shoved it off and I kept shoving it off. But he was right. Every knee will confess. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. See, Jesus is Lord. He's not your co-pilot, not your assistant, not your advisor. He's Lord. And so what that means is that when he speaks... You do what he says. So let me ask you a question today. What's he telling you to do? What's he telling you to do? Some of you, it's get baptized. Some of you, that's exactly what he's telling you to do. Hey, you need to do it. Just do it. Just take that step. Just, just go ahead. Just take that step. Some of you, he's telling you that you need to be serving here at Summit. So just do it. Just flip the card over and check a box. Just try something. Say, wow, where can I fit in? Just try something. Try serving in Summit Kids next week. If you don't like it, if you don't walk out of there, I'm going to shoot one of these kids, bro. It's not for you. Don't serve there. We don't, want you, we don't want you heading up the jail ministry, okay? We don't want you doing that. But some of you, that's what he's telling you to do. You should serve. Well, then serve. He's telling you to forgive somebody. What's he telling you to do? You keep going with all kinds of different examples. What's he telling you to do? Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you are here with us right now, that you are here with us in this room, and that you are always speaking. Thank you that you're Lord. You're not some assistant that we go to when life's hard, but then when everything's clicking and going the way that we think that it should, we figure that we could handle it on our own. So we drop you off. You're not our co-pilot. You're Lord. And if we don't confess it now, one day every time we'll confess. As you are here praying today... How many of you, just by, just by raising your hand, would say, you know what, Mark, Jesus is telling me to do something. There is something that I need to do. Would you just raise your hand if you're in that spot? There's a hand. Hands are going up all over. There's something I need to do. Put your hands down. Put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. God, I pray for every single person that just raised their hand. That God, you would give them the grace and the strength to do it. And God, I pray that the sun wouldn't go down today without seeing them take a step towards fulfilling it, without seeing them do what you're telling them to do. God, I pray that they wouldn't go to bed tonight and lay their heads on their pillows until they've done it, or at least taken a step to do it. I wonder if some of you are here and the thing that Jesus is telling you to do is that for the very first time, He's telling you, you need to give Him your life. You need to get saved today. You need to become a Christian. Maybe you came in, you thought you were. But what we're talking about, Jesus is Lord and He owns your life. That doesn't describe you. 
You just thought it was something you can pick up and drop off on Sundays, or you just thought it was something that would get you out of hell, but that's not what he's saying. He wants a relationship. And the way that you begin that relationship is to go to God and say, God, forgive me for, for my sins, Jesus. Come into my life and save me. Some of you, for the very first time, you need to give your life to Jesus today. Say, well, Mark, what will people think about me? Who cares? Because you don't stand in front of any of these people. You only stand at the end of the day. You stand in front of Jesus. So his opinion is the only one that ultimately matters. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, Mark? That's exactly what God is telling me to do. I need to give him my life. I'm going to count to three. Would you just raise your hand when I say three? You raise your hand to say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. One, two, three. You just raise your hand right now. God, I thank you. I thank you that, Jesus, you are speaking to us. God, I pray that we would not leave unaffected. And, God, I thank you that, that I, can God, I can tell that you are just really speaking to people. Jesus, I pray that we would love you so much that we would do what you say. Father, we love you. And you're beautiful. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Listen. Guys, if you made a decision today, a first-time decision, we've got some of our greeters, some of our workers in the back at various areas. Um, some of our greeters will go to our connection point table and stand in the back ready to get connect cards. If you're here, you made a first-time decision for Christ. You, you want to get baptized. You want to give your life to Jesus today. When you leave and to your left, we have what we call our ministry area. We've got somebody there stationed right now. Would you just give them that card? We've got a Bible for you. We've got a book for you. We want to love on you and encourage you, help you to take that next step. And listen, if you're here... And you say, Mark, I know I'm saved, but I really need to be baptized. Well, then listen, man, just stick around because we're going to talk to everybody that's going to do that here real quick. And, and li but if you can't, then sign that sheet. All right? Uh, when you leave today, there's also one of our greeters that are ready to collect those Connect cards from you. So any decision that you've made, we want to know about it. If there's any way we can pray for you, we want to know about that too. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And listen, listen, listen. Next week... Man, let's pack this place out. Let's invite like crazy this week and believe God for awesome things next week. Love you guys. Everybody, uh, you're dismissed, but if you're going to get baptized, you stick around for that. All right? Thanks.